you want to live a full life, the two greatest marks of a Christian, right? Jesus Christ, is he their Lord and Savior? Number two, do they love each other? Do you love your brother, your sister in Christ? You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. To live a full life, you and I, we need to cultivate your best relationships. And what are your best relationships? Yeah, your physical family is amazing and wonderful, but you guys have a spiritual family. I have a spiritual family. You are my brother. You are my sister. And it's challenging, but it's amazing when we see how God has called us to live this out. You want to live a full life? We have to do our part. We have to cultivate these relationships, this family that you and I have. So if you and I want to experience the fullness of life, we cannot just say in our mind, I surrender to Jesus. And yes, that's the most important. But what is the transformation that's happening in your life? Have you fallen in love with your spiritual family members? Because the two greatest marks of a Christian, right? The acid proof. Do they have a relationship with Christ? Jesus Christ, is he their Lord and Savior? And number two, do they love each other? Do you love your brother, your sister in Christ? Again, think. Don't be thinking, this is for such and such a person. This is for me. Right? This is an instruction for me. If you are a Christian, and I pray if you're not a Christian, by the end of our message, you would want to be a Christian. Because you'll see what a Christian is supposed to be like. This is what we and I need to be. You and I need to be as brothers and sisters in Christ. Number one, it says, let love be what? Without hypocrisy. This word love is in the form of agape love. Sacrificial. Thinking of others is more important than you. It is action. You can't say you love somebody if you don't act on it. So it's not just the thought of love. It is, this is what love is. And in all other parts of Romans, when you see that word love, this agape love, it is actually God's love for you. Now God is saying, this is how I love you. I love you unconditionally. While you were a sinner, I died for you. And so he says, this is how you're to love each other. With this unconditional agape sacrificial love. And what is it supposed to look like? It is supposed to be without hypocrisy. If you look at the life of Judas, he exemplified what it meant to have a hypocritical, hypocritical kind of love. How did he greet Jesus when he betrayed him? How did he do it? With a kiss. And many times we can be like Judas. Hypocrites. Pretending to love but not really loving. Let's not be that way, right? Let's be like Jesus. What's the next thing we learn? Read it with me. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, do you need to be a scholar to understand what that means? No. There are certain parts of the Bible that's just so clear. But it's just hard to do, right? What does that word abhor mean? It means to, to loathe. It's a very strong word and you actually only find it here. What does it mean to loathe? One day we get home from our, I don't know where we were, but I got home and our entire house stunk. It was actually the outside of our house. There was a very bad smell. 
So we were looking around trying to figure out what is this thing that is causing this smell. You know what we found? There was a rat that had eaten through our plastic garbage can, but he got some of the garbage. Maybe he got too full, he got too fat that he couldn't go through. He ended up dying in, that, in between the, the garbage can. So he was, half of his body was in, half of his body was out. And it was so disgusting. Nobody in our house wanted to touch it. They abhorred it. That's a picture of what we are to do when it comes to evil. Abhor what is evil. We also learned that last week. We, we, we need to separate ourselves from the trajectory of what this world is, is saying is good and evil. Because we, how do you know? That's another good question. How do you know what is good? That word cling, cling to what is good, it's the same word that you hear in marriage counseling, right? For this reason, a husband shall leave his father and mother and shall what? Shall cling to his wife. It's a picture of deep intimacy where you take two pieces of paper and you glue it together and that is how strong that bond is. You try to rip it off and you rip each other apart, right? So to cling to what is good is that picture that we should, we should hold on to. We should, our lives should cling to what is good. Abhor evil. How do you know what is good and evil? It's getting harder and harder these days. But I praise God for God's word. He shows us. He tells us. Let's go to the next one. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And we looked at that, right? When it comes to my spiritual family, am I able to show proper affection? You know, for, for, for men, you know, a, a pat on the back, a hug. Many people don't come from good physical families. And so I praise God that we have a spiritual family because this is our best relationship. You know why? Because our spiritual family will last forever. Now my prayer is that your physical family is also becomes your spiritual family. But that isn't always the case. But right now, if you are in Christ, I am your brother. And God tells me I am to love you with kindness, with tenderness. That's what that word means, brotherly love. And we can show that by a pat on the back, by a kind word. But we are to be that kind of family to each other. Be devoted to one another, affectionate. Uh, we are to be respectful. Look at this. Can you read this with me? Give preference to one another in, in honor. That word, give preference, it's almost like you are competing to show the person honor first. It's like you're there together, and in our world, we are always competing to lift ourselves up, right? We're always competing to show why we deserve the promotion, why we should deserve the playing time if we're on a basketball team. It's always about ourselves. But in the family of God, he says, give preference to one another. Not only are you to be affectionate to one another, you're supposed to give them preference. You are supposed to be the first to honor them. Verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. What is this describing? What kind of love is this? It's enthusiastic. It's passionate. It's a love that's, you know, like, oh, I love you, you know. Not that. It's like, I love you. You're excited. You're enthusiastic. And what makes you enthusiastic? Who are you serving? The Lord. Who gives you the spirit to do that? 
It's the Holy Spirit. Fervent in spirit. God's spirit. And we should not be lazy. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. If you lump all of those together, rejoicing in hope, right? Persevering in tribulation. Devoted in prayer. You can see that this Christ-like love that we are to have for our spiritual family is to be what? Patient. Patient. We get impatient because bad things are happening in our life, right? And we say, God, if you love me, why are you allowing this? But I praise God that these verses remind us that we need a future view in this world to live a full life. You cannot just see the world for what the world is. We need to have a future view because there is so much more to come. And in the challenges of life that we have, if you have a future view, you can rejoice in hope. That's what hope is, right? You can persevere to tribulation. And obviously we need to be in prayer because it's supernatural. We can't do it. You can encourage people. We have the hope. We can be patient when we're going through trials and tribulations because God knows. And God, our best is, is yet to come in, in God. What else? Contributing to the needs of the saints. Wow. What does that mean? <laughs> be generous. <laughs> be generous. Christ-like love is generous. I was on Artigas intersection of EDSA, I was with my dad, and somebody comes to our window and knocks on it. And you know the feeling, right? Should I give? Should I not give? Should I give? Not give? Okay, what do I have here? Nothing. No change, right? I don't want to get into my wallet. I was looking for change. Nothing. Ah, gospel track. This is good. I get the gospel track. Roll down my window, give her a gospel track. First she's excited. She opens it, and she's looking through it. Then afterwards, she closes it, Knocks again and does this. I got the point. I don't want your gospel track. I don't even know what this is. Where's the money? Right? Where is the money? I need money. I'm hungry. So I looked at my dad. And we, I smiled. I'm like, Dad, this is, this is a great example of, of, you know, many times people don't know their real need until they f they're, they're met their felt need, Right? So I opened my wallet, I gave her a bill, and she looked at it, and she, she did this, you know, she rubbed it on her heart. She's like, thank you. I said, please make sure you read that gospel track too. <laughs> but there are needs all around us. And when we don't see each other as our family, we don't see the needs. Hospitable, practicing hospitality. We, we saw the word Philadelphia, correct? Brotherly love. This is philoxenia, which is love for strangers, love for guests. One of the pastors, as we were preparing for the message, he was telling us this has really had such an impact in his life, this verse. He realized, I need to open up my home to people. And so he does. People come in, he ministers to them. It's amazing what a little bit of hospitality can do in the body of Christ. May we be hospitable. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
this is super, super challenging, right? When you're cursed, you want to curse back, right? You want to fight back. And we're going to spend the whole another, the second half of this, of this service talking about this verse. Remember, what's our message today? Cultivate your best relationship. You got to put work in it, right? It's like a farm. It's like a garden. You, it just doesn't get better on its own. You and I, we have to live these out through the power of the Holy Spirit. We love our spiritual family. That's the, second, that's the first point. The second point is, I'm going to keep it in suspense. You're going to see it because it's, it's tough. But it's amazing when we're able to do it. Almost there. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What kind of love is this? It's sympathetic, empathetic. Call it what you may. But it's amazing. Is it harder to rejoice with those who rejoice or to weep with those who weep? For you. Which is harder for you? Is it harder to rejoice with those who rejoice or to weep with those who weep? You're both single and you both desire to get married. And your best friend gets engaged to the person you thought would make a good husband. Can you rejoice? It's hard. You're at work. You are doing your best to get that promotion. And your Christian best friend gets the promotion. Can you rejoice? You're in school, right? And you want to get that award. And somebody else gets the award. Can you rejoice? This is one of the marks of true Christ-like love. When your brother or your sister does well in life, you are there rejoicing with them wholeheartedly. That's the heart of God. Weep with those who weep. This is hard too. You know, for those of you who who know me, and my wife knows me quite well, I'm not very sympathetic, unfortunately, right? That's, I wish I was more sympathetic. I'm not very empathetic. But one of the reasons why I know I'm a Christian is because I see God changing my heart. One of the ways that you know you're a Christian, if you see God working in your life, that these things that maybe aren't normal or natural for you to do, all of a sudden, you're able to actually do it and feel things. I was with a friend a couple of months ago, and he told me, you know, I lost my wife last year. And then he said, I lost my sister a few weeks ago. He said, it's so hard. You know, I, I cried with him. We were having breakfast and I, I cried with him. I prayed for him. You know, afterwards, he texted me. He said, your tears ministered to me in the most powerful way. See, sometimes we're always thinking, what do I need to say? Or, I don't want to go because jahe, right? What's jahe? What's the English translation? Huh? It's, it's weird. It's strange. I don't feel comfortable, right? I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what to say. Just go there. You're not invited. It's okay. Just go. The fact that, they, that you're there, that's what it means to weep with those who weep. You're there in those seasons of the person's life that they're just down. 
that word weep is actually a loud grieving. Really in death, there's a lot of sadness in death, guys. And one of the best things we can do is to be there for our brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, let's read this together. Be of the same mind toward one another. What's that talking about? You know, some people have the spiritual gift of what? Being counter. They always have a better idea. They're divisive. That's just in, in God's family. You look for what you have in common. You may not agree on everything, but be harmonious, right? Obviously, you don't compromise the truth. But I'm talking about there are some people that are just the divisive. That's not characteristic of Christ-like love, of love within this family. We are to be harmonious. And as we wrap up this first part, we are not to be haughty in mind, but to associate with what? The lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. I love that. A lot of us struggle in relationships because we're so proud, right? That word haughty means you're proud. And we don't want to associate with certain people. Oh, they're not my social class. I can't get along with them. When you are in God's family, there is no more, right? There is no Jew. There is no Greek. There is no Gentile. We are in a unique relationship where we are family. And we should reach out to those who are down and out. You should have friends that are below your current social economic status. That's what it means to be in God's family. And I love this last part. Do not be wise in your own estimation. A lot of us, we develop spiritual pride, right? We feel we always have the answer. Everything we know. Expert Akujan. I studied that, right? And so you give your advice, even to people who aren't asking for your advice. In fact, you're giving advice all the time. So nobody else gets to speak. And so that is not... Christ-like love. You invite people. You may not agree what they're saying, but what do you think? A posture of humility. Is that amazing? I want you to think. This is your spiritual family, right? This is our spiritual family. It is characterized by a love that is sincere, discerning, aff affectionate, and respectful. It is both enthusiastic and patient. It is both generous and hospitable. It is both benevolent and sympathetic, and it is marked by harmony and humility. If you lived this kind of life, what do you think would happen? I'll tell you what will happen. In the early church, people who didn't believe in Jesus wrote about Christians. They said, there's something different about these guys, right? They really love each other. They were so, people were so moved by what a Christians were. Many people came to know Christ. This is the real challenge, right? We, we, <laughs> you were saying, well, that was hard to love my spiritual family that way. It's hard. Well, one way to make it easy is to give you something harder. <laughs> this is so hard, right? Love your enemies. But it's so beautiful. It's so amazing. Verse 14. Do not curse, but what? What? Bless. That is the root word of eulogy. What do you do in a eulogy? You say good things about a person, right? So when you feel like cursing, God tells us, bless them. How do you bless them? By praying for them. Praying for them. Because when you pray, you are you're praying God's favor. Lord, do something in their life. Do something in their heart. I know that's 
That's how we feel. I, I know what it feels like. But it's supernatural. Instead of paying back evil, what are we to do? Respect what is right in the sight of all men. These are your enemies who are hurting you. Somehow there is still a standard of good, right? Next week we're going to learn about authority and how God has actually placed authorities in our life to, to help carry out part of the discipline that happens, right? When, when people do wrong, when do you wrong. But Paul is saying, Jesus is telling us to Paul that we are to do what is right in the sight of men. Don't do something that will cause the world to stumble, right? Maybe in your mind you're fully justified to act a certain way. And you have a clean conscience, but maybe your conscience is seared. Ask, well, how will it impact the world? What will they see if I do this kind of action? If possible, it says here, so far as it depends on you, be what? Be at peace with who? With all men. I love this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, do whatever you can in your power to reach out. Right? Sometimes we're like, but have you done your part? Keep peace, be a peacemaker, and do keep peacekeeping. Jesus tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This one, it says, do not take revenge, but what's the positive? What are we to do? He gives us the reason why not to take revenge. And this is so powerful. He says, leave room. What does that mean? Make space. Make space for what? The wrath of God. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So God is not saying justice won't be served. He's just saying, don't take it upon your hand to be the one to give justice because you don't know everything. You don't see the whole thing. You will make a mistake if you try to bring justice about on your own way. He says, trust me, I will repay. The wrath of God is real. And he is fair. And he will do what he says. I want to call a dear brother, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Let's welcome Uncle Tom. He's going to share with us his testimony. I was face to face with the murderer of my brother. And I had the choice either to exact revenge or share the gospel with him. Good morning, CCF family. In 1992, my brother, who was a police agent, was brutally stabbed to death by a group of criminals engaged in robbery and illegal gambling. I couldn't help but join my family's furious cry for revenge. Efforts to get justice for my brother were futile, even if we had used all our top connections. But by divine providence and sovereignty, the main culprit who slashed the throat of my brother was detained for a crime that was totally unrelated to his case. CCF, CCC, and IGSL families began interceding for me that I would be able to share God's love and forgiveness to the criminal. But there were forces within me waging war against each other. As a committed follower of Christ, I struggled to obey. But as a grieving sibling, I wanted to kill him. But God's word was so powerful to remind me that vengeance is the Lord's and that he cannot defend me when I take vengeance in my own hands. Accompanied by a Christian police officer, I went to the cell of the criminal 
my heart was literally pounding and I felt like vomiting. By God's grace, I maintained my composure and what, without introducing ourselves, I began proclaiming the gospel to him. As we were about to pray the sinner's prayer, he interrupted me and requested to confess his sins. He thought I was a priest. I said, okay, not realizing how emotionally excruciating it would be as he gave account of how he murdered someone he did not know was my brother. The knives dug deep into my heart, and I almost lost it in rage. But the Holy Spirit's still small voice penetrated my whole being as he reminded me of Jesus' words, love your enemies. I died for him, and I love him as I love you. He accepted Christ and trusted him to be his Savior and Lord, and I gave him assurance that all his sins have been forgiven and that he has now become a child of God with everlasting life. Overwhelmed with joy, he asked, Brother, what is your name? I was dumbstruck, choking with mixed emotions. The policeman said, He's Tom Rojas. He's the brother of the one you murdered recently. He fell down sobbing at my feet, asking for forgiveness. And again, the Holy Spirit reminded me of Paul's, Paul's words in Ephesians 4.31.32 to get rid of all kinds of anger and bitterness, forgiving one another just as God in Christ Jesus forgave us. I stooped down and lifted him up and told him, God has forgiven me. He has forgiven you. And I am forgiving you too. He hugged me and I hugged him back. The police officer locked us in in a bear hug. And the three of us wept, rejoiced, and praised God. A week later, we visited him and found out that he had begun sharing his faith with the other inmates. Praise God, our awesome God. Only he can transform criminals and sinners like you and me. I know that I could not have forgiven my brother's murderer on my own, let alone love him the way God does. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Face to face with your enemy. Here is a parting quote from my Dallas Seminary classmate Andy Stanley. And I quote, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward your enemy, but in the shadow of the cross, 
Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another, all by God's grace and for His glory. What do you guys think? Unbelievable, right? That's the Christian life. First uh, Peter chapter 2. Let's read here. You have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Who what? Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But what? He kept entrusting himself to who? To God who judges righteously. Jesus himself, while he was being beaten, while he was being spat on, while he was being crucified, he kept entrusting himself to God, knowing that God would be the one to judge rightly. Jesus overcame evil with good. He gave his life. And God did judge. All our sin, Jesus paid for it on the cross. That's why look at this last verse. Verse 24. He himself bore what? Our sins. Your sin. My sin. In his body on the cross. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. And I don't know about you. But when I see my God, my Savior, Jesus Christ, doing this on my behalf. And I see how we are called to love. I want to be a Christian. Do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? What's our message today? Cultivate your best relationships. Love your family, your spiritual family, your physical family, but also love your enemies. And the only way you can do that is if you have Jesus Christ in your life, in your heart. Jesus paid for all your sin. God judged it on the cross. God will take care of you. I know a lot of you have experienced real evil in this world. You can trust God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much <clears throat> for this passage. Lord, it's very challenging. In fact, it's impossible without your spirit in our hearts. So Lord, I know that there's a wide variety of people and hearts that are listening to this message. And if God has touched your heart, if God has shown you that he loves you in the same way that we looked at, it's an unconditional kind of love. And you want to love him back by surrendering your life to Jesus. Then I pray that you pray with me right now in your heart. This admission that you are a sinner and need Jesus in your life. So pray with me. Father, I admit that I have sinned against you. I admit that I have done wrong. But I thank you that you died on the cross to pay for all my sin. You said by your, by your wounds on the cross, you have healed us. By your death, Lord, you have paid for all our sin. And so today, we believe in you. We transfer our faith from our religion, from ourselves, to you. Lord, you alone are the one that saves. And so we believe in you, Jesus, and we receive you, Jesus, to come into our heart to be 
my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my God. And I thank you, Jesus, for your promise of forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your promise of eternal life. Lord, the best is yet to come. Father, I pray for our spiritual family, Lord. Move us, shape us, mold us that we can love each other the way that you called us and the way that you modeled it. And not only loving our own spiritual family, Lord, but even those that have hurt us, those who we, we may call our enemies, help us, Lord, to love them also the same way that you did, that we may draw all men to you. For that is how people will know we are your children, by our love for one another. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray <clears throat> for your protection and safety for everyone as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.